Good evening, everyone. My name is Ashley Brown. Welcome to our Hawks Insiders Thursday night safe space as we look back on the win over North Melbourne on last Saturday and look ahead to what we hope will be another win over St Kilda at Marvel Stadium on Saturday late afternoon into evening. Uh, start with an apology that we didn't get around to our player review ratings pod on um, the weekend. I'm sure a lot of you would like to relive that and seen how we gave our ratings. We had our own health and safety protocols and a couple of other sort of dramas. So uh, a deep apology from all of us at Hawks Insiders that we didn't bring you that, but hopefully we'll make up for it with uh, fun and frivolity and deep analysis of all things brown and gold tonight. So let's get into it. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host. We're down a couple of soldiers tonight, but a couple with us. Uh, firstly, Andrew Weiss, hello. Good evening, Ash. Good evening, everybody. Good to be back again after another great win and and certainly an air of positivity around the club and around all the supporters at the moment. So great to revel in that at the moment. Darren Levine, thank you for uh, giving up on the Neighbours final episode to be with us this evening. I know you are our guru on all things pop culture and what the young people are in into, uh, but uh, good to have you with us. Oh, thanks, Ash. And yeah, haven't watched a Neighbours episode since, I reckon, 1997. So I'm uh, not too sad about that one. But um, yeah, just you reckon it's too early to start booking finals tickets for the Hawks? Uh, well, apparently until last week, they had a mathematical chance of making it. In fact, some say they still do, but uh, a lot would have to go right. But they've disappeared from all the uh, run home articles on the various uh, online footy side. So I suspect we don't need to worry about final tickets this year, but uh, next year, who knows? Brad Klebanti, hello. Evening all. No spoilers, please. Neighbours is on pause currently for me, and I will be watching it post-show. I heard a rumour that Mrs Mangles is going to be come back. <laughs> is that her name, Mrs Mangles? <laughs> I, she was before uh, my time. I think you're thinking of home in yeah. a way. <laughs> well, yeah, I, all the same to me. No, no. So, all right, no spoilers for me because I didn't watch it. So I am not watching it and probably it will not watch it. But Mrs. Mrs. Mangles, definitely old school. Uh, I think uh, Toby, I think she was Mrs. Mangles in the Sullivan. Mark. No, no, there was Mrs. Mrs. Mangles. Oh, uh, is that. Yeah. Are you sure it's not a country practice? If she, no, no. If she came back, no, because there was Toby Mangle, and they had the 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 uh, the Golden oh. Lab, and and um, you know Mark much. Mangle, and yeah, yeah, back from old school. If they got her back on, uh, they'd have to do a actually good job of makeup. I would have thought Mrs. Mangles was exactly the same character as she well, it was the same actress playing exactly the yes. same sort of character as Mrs. In Jessup the from the Sullivans. No, uh, the Sullivans. She was she might have been the nosy practice too. She was the nosy neighbour in the Sullivans, I think. Or she ran the shop or something. So someone could correct us here. We're veering way off Hawthorne topic. <laughs> uh, Brad, uh, sorry, uh, Danny Prince is sticking the uh, the jocks of a few Melbourne City footballers tonight, so he won't be with us. And Simon Morowitz will be with us very shortly. So as we're down a couple of soldiers, that is the open invitation to all of you to please join our conversation. Uh, this evening, as we go through various topics, just make uh, raise your hand, p- uh, ask permission to speak. We'll get you on, and we'll try and make this as wide ranging a conversation as possible. 
And once again, we thank you for your support of Hawks Insiders, the Substack, $5 a month, $50 a year for the best Hawthorne content going around. We thought we'd make everyone send a photo of what they're wearing, their Hawthorne gear tonight, but uh, we might save that one as a bit of a uh, something for later on in the year. Let's look back briefly, and we might spend a couple more minutes uh, dissecting it because we didn't get round to the ratings podcast on the weekend. Uh, Hawthorne's third straight win for the season, 19-7-1-21 to North Melbourne, uh, the North Melbourne Tassie Kangaroos, 11-9-75 in front of a season-high 9,700 or so fans at um, Bonstone Arena, the biggest crowd they've had down there for a game this year, which would suggest that the Hawthorne fans, there were a few thousand Hawthorne fans, made the journey. I think certainly watching on the TV, there were probably more Hawthorne fans in attendance than there were North fans. Hawthorne, eight goals to none in the first quarter. And then the first goal, I think, of the second quarter pretty much ended the game as a contest there and then. And from thereafter, it was uh, three quarters, unusual for Hawthorne this year, three quarters of fairly stress-free football with the result well in hand. Uh, let's start with you, um, who was doing the good at Daz, the good. Oh, I mean, how can you go past Jack Gunston um, in, his, in, in being, going through what he's been through and then coming back like that and kicking five goals and just having such a dominant performance? Um, it was just wonderful to see and very emotional. That first goal when he kind of looked up to the sky and paid tribute to his dad, I, I just... You know, if if we remember one thing from that game, it's it's that moment for Jack. And um, yeah, it's it was just great to watch, as you said, some stress free footy ash, and uh, really enjoyed that win. It's always great to win against North, who's who've been a bit of a bogey team for us over the past few years. A lot of the the, the kind of performances against us have been built off the back of Jai Simkin having an absolute day out in the midfield and. Uh, Finn McGuinness just really didn't just curtail his influence. I thought Finn actually did a lot when he had the ball and was was really positive. Um, kicked a great goal, and I think he, um, yeah, he was. Did he kick a goal or assist a goal? I can't, I can't recall. Was that Finn? Yeah, I think he kicked a goal. Yeah, yeah it was a great goal as well. And um, yeah, Finn, Finn was just continues on his merry way in, in his development as a tagger, but also showed just how damaging he could be as well. You know, Jai had a terrific game, goals from midfield too for him. We're 4-0 with Big Boy and he makes such a big difference to the side and it's going to be interesting to see how he actually rocks um, on his own pretty much this weekend against a pretty good duo in, in um, Ryder and Marshall. So, uh, Ryder's, not yeah. Ryder's not playing. Oh, Ryder's not playing. Terrific. So... Um, it's 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 just great to have that sort of captain's influence um, on the ground, and um, yeah, just thought it was a terrific win. I really enjoyed it, especially that first quarter. Brad, the bad, uh, not a lot of bad. Once again, I predicted on Thursday night we'd win by six or seven goals. What was the final margin of forty-seven, forty-eight for bat? At close to eight goals. North played their grand final the week before against uh, the Tigers. Uh, the bads for me is actually a couple of the younger players. Um, I'll probably cop a bit of flack for this, but I think it's justified. Uh, DGB uh, had a mark and kick in probably the first 10 seconds of the game. He finished the game with 
three disposals. He did not touch the ball in the second half. There'll be supporters that say he did his job, his opponent didn't kick in the kick any goals. Not nah, weak excuse. Three possessions in a game of football today is simply uh, unacceptable, and he's lost his spot in the side. He's a worry. I know I've been sticking up for him a lot this year. Daz, you've been a bit more bearish on him, but there are worry signs now because you look at our team this week, it's quite a strong side. The emergence of James Blank, who looks very, very solid. Scrimshaw continues to impress. Sicily obviously plays his role. At the moment, as we speak, there is no role for DGB heading into next season. So it's going to be interesting to see where he plays for Box Hill next week because, unfortunately, they've got to buy this week. And the other one is Will Day, who, with DGB, both of their seasons this year have been underwhelming. They were the two players we needed to have continuity in their games this year and to take uh, the next step. Will Day had 10 possessions, and the week before against West Coast, yes, he did kick two goals in the first half. He had four possessions after quarter time in that game as well. So the two of them, for me, very disappointing this season and need big pre-seasons. I think with Day, it's just... He's, been, he's had interruptions. I agree with you. It's been a, a disappointing season. We, ha- we had him anointed as uh, triple Brandon Lomelis and future captain at the start of the, back in March. Um, I think with Day, it's just got to get through to the end of the season. And then, um, I, as I mentioned last week and wrote last week, I think um, Peter Burge coming to the club is going to be fascinating and he's going to have a few project players. And I wouldn't be surprised if the two players we've just spoken about being Denver Granger Barras and Will Day are going to be two of his two his project players. I think Will Day needs to get a bit stronger so he can uh, he's a bit stronger in the contest. I mean, clearly he's got a, a remarkably good footy brain and can do some very cool things with the ball. But I think he needs to get a bit stronger. And I think DGB, I, I think he uh, would be a better player. Just again, the extra five six kilos that we all seem to think he needs to get. And I'm, I'm fascinated to see what Birch does with those two players in particular next year. Absolutely. And as I mentioned before we started in our group chat, we've got some very, very quality, you know, solid players who are out for the season. You're, we're going to have Wingard's going to come back. Warple potentially is going to, you know, come back. This is to start next season. Uh, Lockie Bramble's another one. Jarman Impey's being rested this week. Ned Reeves is out and injured. Guys like Day and Granger Barras, if we're at full strength at the start of next season, on form currently, Will Day should be in our best 22. At the moment, he's probably in our bottom three players that play each week at the moment. So hopefully that changes, but it's going to be an interesting off-season. That's a great sign, isn't it? I mean... Obviously, as you're building and developing, it's usually the you know the bottom four or five that totally expose where you're at from a depth point of view. The fact that we're talking about you know these guys actually fitting into the team is actually a big tick in terms of how the list is building and our overall depth, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And Carl at Amon's the other one who, by uh, reports, are pretty sure we're favourites to get him. And I'd be surprised if he didn't end up at Hawthorne. So he's another one that's going to come into the side. So the starting 22 next year, round one, is going to be fascinating because we're going to be in for quite a big off-season. 
you know, we we know that Mitchell, O'Meara, Warple, Newcomb struggle to play in the side uh, together. And uh, Warple's obviously had a, shoulder, a big shoulder operation. So it's going to be interesting to see how we set up at the start of uh, next season. I know there's been high hopes, you know, for DGB and uh, Will Day. But as we've seen with Sammy Mitchell, he doesn't gift games to players. So big off-seasons for them coming up. The TV experience, we see it was a uh, pretty low-key TV watching experience and uh, Fox didn't even bother to send a boundary rider to this one. Yeah, there's probably a few aspects to the TV experience I I want to talk about. I guess one is, Ash, do you think the AFL would have been happy with the overall crowd number in the end? Well, I I, I wrote this in the the review article that anecdotally the Tasmanians are increasingly – giving up on their two teams. I think North in particular and the Hawthorne numbers have been fun as well. It's been funny in Hawthorne. I mean, we're around four weeks of the season. They've only played the two games in Tassie, one of which was Anzac Day Monday, which was a big event. So really, they've played one sort of rank-and-file regular game in Tassie for the Hawthorne. So it'll be fascinating to see what the crowd's like. I don't think they'll get a lot for the Gold Coast game in a couple of weeks, but the Bulldog game in round 23, which potentially could be huge, I reckon they might get a healthy crowd for that one, you'd like to think. But a healthy crowd for Launceston these days is about twelve or 13,000. So what, I mean, sorry, my, the, yeah, go on. I mean, what I find, what, what, I guess they can't with eight games a year, but they don't suspend local footy when the AFL games run anymore. So a lot of, I mean, it's not a huge town, Hobart. I mean, the, the local footy community are engaged in their own competitions on Saturday. So I'm not quite sure who actually goes. I'm not quite sure where they get the fans from. A lot of these games, and a lot of the footy people, die-hard footy people in Hobart and Launceston, are otherwise engaged on Saturday afternoon with with local footy. So that's something when the Tazy team has to come in, they're going to have to to work out. Um, they're going to have to work out when they play their games because it's not such a big enough place, Tazzy, you can have a fully fledged footy competition going on at the same time as the AFL team plays. Yeah, and I think that's a separate conversation in terms of their own team. What I would say is. Uh, for the last five or six weeks, I've been looking at this fixture going, I've actually got the weekend off with Evie and Anna and Ethan had plans all weekend. And so I've been watching, watching, watching and could not get change for $1,000 for one person return from five to six weeks out the whole way through. So, you know, we're about to talk about the, TV fan experience, I think, um, you know, the, the opportunities for the AFL to stand in and, um, you know, obviously airlines are all private commercial enterprises, but, you know, to, to step in and, and do something for the fans because, you know what, they would have had potentially a couple thousand more people if it was actually affordable to go away for the weekend. They should pay instead of paying three hundred fifty million dollars for this half of Tasmania Stadium. They should pay three hundred fifty million dollars by an airline. Is that what you're saying? Uh, possibly, uh, <laughs> but in in terms of the actual TV experience, um, it's really interesting to note the different types of coverage. Um, and and when I watch coverage these days, it is with you know, given what I do business wise with a broadcast. Sort of eye and hat. Just on and... tell Bevan what you do. You just give your business <laughs> a plug. Just don't skirt around. Don't don't annoy us. Go on. My sport life. 
My Sport Live broadcasting uh, sporting events around the country, <laughs> including, Ash, I'm not sure if you're even aware, but uh, we'll be hearing your golden tunnels yes. across the airways on, on the weekend at a local so footy I, game. But, um, so I believe. Uh, but that aside, um, you know, I, I compared this coverage actually to something that I was pretty vocal about in our WhatsApp group when we played the Giants at Giants Stadium. And... I mean, at least with the coverage against North, you had the one or, or the couple of um, central uh, central cameras raised that gave you a good enough overall view of the ground. The coverage and the camera placement at the GWS game, together with the weather, like, there were so many shots where we were going from up high to on the ground, um, wet... <laughs> camera lenses like the actual um the actual coverage of the gws game was horrendous so this was a step up from that point of view but you're right it was clearly done on on bare bones and i guess one of the questions is um given how much money the afl is paying for or getting paid from a broadcast point of view you would think that some of this stuff would be addressed so that we at home can get the best experience possible but yeah I don't know what you guys think or if it's anything that sort of crossed your minds watching it I had no real issues with the the I mean I, you know, I thought it was surprising I had no boundary rider there for, for the game but more to the point I've still shaking my head at the coverage of the Friday night game, the uh, how Channel 7's camera went to a different angle just as Bolter was being tackled, was being sandwiched by two Frio players. Um, and so you didn't actually see what... Uh, you couldn't actually get the context of what was going on. If it stuck to the traditional above, you know, above the ground camera angle, we'd have a much better idea of what was going on. But that is also a, a discussion for Tigers insiders and, and Frio insiders. It's a tough job and Brad knows about it as well, you know, being the, the producer calling the shots when you've got a, a, a board full of, you know, 20 shots to choose from. But, you know, the, the issues with the, the North game, but more importantly, the, the GWS game, are not about that. Like, they're about um, cutting to cameras that are actually moving and looking at nothing, to wet lenses, to ridiculous angles to the whole nature of that broadcast being set up and not actually being visually appealing to watch. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Anyway, we'll talk, talk, talk about a terrible experience. Uh, have you tried to watch a VFL on the AFL app? I think I'm, on one hand, I'm really excited that we can watch more VFL footy on the app, but that is an absolutely shocking experience. We can talk about this as long as you want. I'm not sure most of the people in this. Uh, yeah, we're going to lose a few people. Let's move on. Let's go. Around, let's go with your votes quickly, Brad. Uh, three, three votes to Jack Gunston. Five goals, four, seven marks. I think he had 17 or 18 possessions. Wonderful performance. Uh, I gave two votes to Jai. 28 touches, two goals, near complete game uh, from, a, from a midfielder. And I gave one to Finn McGuinness, who held Jai Simkin to 14 touches. I know I tweeted about it during the game. I said even at half time, I knew. I think even in the first quarter, I held him to, I think, two or three touches. And another scalp for um, Finn, Jai Simkin's lowest disposals in two years. So 
you know, that's just another one to add to Finn's uh, scalps this year. It's going to be interesting to see if he tags either um, Sinclair or Bradley Hill this week because you can't tag both. One of them has to get tagged. I think he'll go to Sinclair this week. Or, or Steele? Nah, uh, no, I won't go to Steele. No, definitely won't be Jack Steele uh, because Finn doesn't play as a mid... Jack Steele plays in the guts. Finn can't play there a full game. So I think Connor Nash will play a big role in Steele this week. Finn plays that will always tag either the winger or the best half back. So St Kilda's got two. That's their biggest strength. But I think Sinclair's this season is a more damaging player than Bradley Hill. I'd play him on Hill. But, um, that's just me. I think uh, you just want to see that, Ash. Well, yeah. Well, Hill, Hill plays for whatever reason. Hill doesn't play a lot of great games for St Kilda, but he plays good games against, uh, against Hawthorne. So he's always got a bit to prove. So... Uh, I'd love to get us go to Hill. Um, uh, Daz, while you're there, your votes? Yeah, so three far and away, um, Jack Gunston, two to Finn, and then one to Jai, um, with a special mention to Tom Mitchell, who I've been pretty harsh on him lately, and um, I thought he he was really, he was just, it was a great game from Tom and um, actually used the footy really well, was really smart, um, and, and got us into the forward 50 quite a few times, so... Um, yeah, close, but got to give that vote to Jai. And where is he? I've gone three to Jack Gunston, two to Jai Newcomb. Thought he was absolutely brilliant. And one I've given to Dylan Moore, who uh, is uh, named at centre-half forward this week, back to his centre-half forward role. But, um, yeah, proving to be an elite midfielder. So, uh, they're my three, two and one. Yeah, this time it's the barista from the uh, cafe downstairs at Waverley who got to pick the team. That's why Dylan Moore is at centre-half forward. Um, now, Box Hill uh, on the winners list once again, 17-1315 to 8 59 It was a Channel 7 game. I watched a little bit of it. It was a pretty uh, doer struggle in the mud and the slop out at the Preston Oval, whatever it's called these days. Porter, 45 disposals. Dan Howard, 31, proving that he is in that sort of unfortunate category now of too good for the VFL, but probably not quite good enough for the AFL. Tom Phillips um, did well, obviously was travelled to Tasmania, didn't play, flew back that night, got up the next morning, played a game of footy, got 27 touches. His brother got 26. Ned Long got 24 in some, what some who were saying... Um, was his best game for VFL. Did anyone watch enough of that game to make a judgment whether that was Ned Long's best game for Box Hill? Uh, yeah. yeah. Who, was, who was going to jump in there? Brad? Yeah, no, I was going to I watched most of the game. Absolutely, that was his best game. Uh, the Lesser Likes actually played really, really well. Uh, Jekka had another really good game in the back line. I think he's listed as an emergency this week. I think he'll get a senior game before the year ends. Butler and Cozzy, very lucky to come back into the seniors. Cozzy... Kicked one goal, three. I'm very surprised he's playing over Max Lynch this week, especially with Ned Reeves out. And Butler's obviously, you know, they need to try to get as many games as possible at, into Butler. But he was actually really quiet. He copped a knock in the first half. But I guess, you know, they definitely see him as a key part of our future. So it was a, re- a really good performance. There's pretty good signs there. I reckon Jekyll will make it as a defender. Um, whose spot he takes in the seniors is an interesting one. But he's been really good. He's played the last three games as a defender and done a really good job. So, yeah, it was a pretty good performance. 
he's the reverse Cosby checker, you know, coming to club as a forward and then uh, playing back. I the, I did notice he looks really good as a backman checker. He just because he's got beautiful, he's got beautiful disposal. Yeah, and he's a similar. He's a bigger version of our Scrimshaw. In my, he's got a, you know, he's got really good skills on both feet. Reads the play really well, and his hands are really good. So he's averaged, I think, eight or nine marks a game since becoming a defender. So it's an interesting move. Maybe they're just doing it, you know, for depth purposes. You know, obviously, with the injuries we've sort of copped over the last couple of years. Uh, Callow, unfortunately, I think will be delisted. I don't think there's a spot for him going forward. He was the other key position player. You know, we picked him up in the mid-season draft from Tassie last year. But um, there's enough there in the reserves, you know, uh, of guys who can definitely make it and play senior footy in the next couple of years. Just on Jekka, it, it's almost a shame that there weren't two more games. Like he didn't start in the defensive role two games earlier because if you have a look at this week and we know Box Hill have the bye, DGB's out. And the Saints have King and they have Membry and I think Marshall's actually, even without Ryder, named in the forward line. Yeah, so Tom Campbell's been brought in as the backup Campbell. runner, obviously, for Ryder. So there's, so. there's almost a role there for him this week, but it's almost as though with only a couple of weeks under the belt, not ready yet to expose him at the AFL level. Yeah, well, they've, yeah, they've obviously gone with our Cozzy because Cozzy's going to have to play that second ruck role. Nash might get a run in the ruck as well. Uh, so it is an interesting one. Yeah, maybe they just think, you know, rather go with the guys who have played for most of the year. Uh, you know, Cozzy, they're obviously giving uh, one more crack. This is a winnable game, a really winnable game. St Kilda have key players out. Dan Hannabury's back. We'll save this for later, Brad. We're going yeah. to re- we'll save your uh, in-depth preview till the end. Uh, Dad, do you want to say something about Boxy? Yeah, well, before we move on from Boxy, I just want to talk about my man, Fergus Green, who is an absolute cult hero down there. And every time I watch Boxy play, he's part of everything positive. He wins games for them. I just would love to see him get another chance at AFL level because... I think he's got a bit, a bit of something about him. And, you know, for whatever reason, it hasn't worked. And I don't know if Hawthorne is the place for him, but you just watch him every week at the VFL and you just wonder why he's not on a list somewhere. Well, there's been a couple of drafts that he has been picked up. So I think the uh, I think teams have been picked. They've sort of worked out where his deficiencies are at AFL level. I agree with you. He, he, he looks so good at VFL level, but, you know, there's been two mid-season drafts that, and, and all the machinations between seasons for him to be picked up by someone and that hasn't happened so I suspect his cards are marked in the AFL but he's certainly um, an a, enjoyable player to watch at VFL level and, and certainly along with Kavara as well, a gold machine uh, key cog for Box Hill this year. The injury list um, is now Connor Downey out for the season I was at training on um Wednesday to do an interview and have a quick chat to the coach of all people for a piece I'm writing on Ben McAvoy for next week's AFL record. And uh, I did notice Ned Ray stand to the side doing state, what they call stationary skills and not wearing a training top, which should have alerted me to the fact that he was in doubt for this week. So um, I did notice that. Um, Connor Downey is now out for the season. With the hamstring, the club bearing on the side of caution it makes a lot of sense, really, for him now to try and get himself right. I didn't see Luke Boyd at training um, when I was there, 
and I'll have a good look for him on Saturday, given I'll be sitting pretty close to the uh, Hawthorne interchange area. My suspicion, I haven't had it confirmed, is that he has already left the club. He's the Hawthorne head of fitness, who has been replaced next year, as we've said a couple of times already, by Peter Birch. My thinking is that he might have already left. He might have already finished up with the club, or he's playing a very, very low profile, low key role. If he hasn't certainly hasn't appeared on the injury report, speaking for several weeks now. Um, I don't know if it was a messy departure uh, or what the circumstances were, but I don't think he's there anymore. Anyone have any comments on that? No? No, I've got no, no opinion on no, that. No, right. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, a couple of news, news from the Hawks, other news from the Hawks. The three-peat book is out. We will be writing an excerpt of some description on Hawks Insiders before too long. Um, having had a bit to do with this book, as in being one of the four or five people to help write it. It is absolute, I won't use the word because it's not appropriate, uh, but it r- rhymes with horn. Um, it is Hawthorne rhymes with horn. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's a fantastic insight into everything that's happened at the club. It starts pretty much after the 2008, it picks up the story after the 2008 grand final. It's a sort of three-peat as told through the eyes of or the, through the voices of so many of the key on and off-field uh, personnel involved. Um, great insight into from, play, from people like Jordan Lewis, Sam Mitchell, Jared Roughhead, um, Jack Gunston is interviewed for it. Uh, Cyril Rioli is interviewed for it. I'm not sure how that happened. I think it was done a couple of years ago, but Rioli, I think, is interviewed for it as well. The best and fairest. All of the best and fairest since then have been interviewed. So the interviews with um, the interviews with James Walpole and Jack Gunston and Tom Mitchell and Sean Burgon gets interviewed. A uh, long feature, a uh, long chat to Alistair Clarkson and Jeff Kennett. Uh, people will love it. It is great insights. Lots of little nuggets in there about the football club. We'll probably talk more about it in future weeks. Um, they're doing a publicity tour. In fact, we might some might approach a club see where we get someone on to spaces to talk about it given that they're making people available so leave that uh, with me but uh, I would advise you all to get it not sure what the recommended retail price is I do know that the limited edition is already sold out because the poor woman at the Hawks Nest was taking phone calls while I was there yesterday explained to people that the $250 leather bound editions have all gone so um, I thoroughly recommend you buy it it's nearly Father's Day so those of you who are fathers and when your missus or your children say what do you want for Father's Day dad uh this is what you tell them that you want to get. So you'll absolutely love it. It is, uh, it's good. It's a worthy a companion to the, um, the Hawthorne history books that have been written by Harry Gordon and Michael Gordon beforehand. And uh, it was written by many people who, who, uh, who are passionate about the club. And how good the media that's come with it. So seeing Gibbo uh, back on the airwaves the other night and, I haven't watched it all, but I've watched the first 10 minutes of today, the video with Hodgie and Suli dropped. Uh, I don't know if anyone here has seen it, but uh, I watched the first 10 minutes before a meeting in the RSEA car park, actually. And, uh, yeah, like the whole, um, yeah, the, the whole swell around this publication is just, it's goosebumps with each, each piece that they're leaking. So it's, uh, yeah. Um, I am a little bit biased, having helped write it, but it is a fantastic publication, and uh, you, will, you will all 
uh, love it, and we'll, we'll get some nuggets from it. Ash, Hawkins maybe you can um, pull some strings and get Jonathan Sim- Simkin on to, to chat. <laughs> we'll try and aim higher than Jonathan Simkin, but uh, we will see how we go. Um, more news from the Hawks. Round 23, fixture locked in. We took measure briefly before the season for Hawthorne will close. And it'll be funny the season closing. I mean, it's been a long season, but it's been an enjoyable season. I think we'll all be a bit sad come round 23. Hawthorne playing... The Bulldogs on what really is a super Sunday, uh, followed by Carlton Collingwood and then St Kilda Sydney. And if things go to plan, uh, it'll be a live game certainly for the Dogs. And if the Hawks have the inclination to play spoiler, uh, they will um, they'll go very hard in this game. So that could be a beauty down there, and they might be the reason to actually get a, a bit of a crowd in. So bit unfortunate that. Strange sort of season, Hawthorne, three games in Tassie over the last five weeks of the season. But I think it is a pretty good um, outcome, uh, Brad. Absolutely. And we end the season with, you know, we've got uh, the Saints this week. Then do we have the Suns? The Suns. Richmond and then the Bulldogs. So we can essentially, I think uh, the Suns season's over, but we can end St Kilda's season this week. We can end Richmond's season in a couple of weeks and we can and the Bulldogs season round 23 as well. So, And it's a good test because those are four sides that, you know, at the moment I'd say St Kilda, Gold Coast, Richmond and Bulldogs are probably a rung above us at the moment. So, you know, we've won three in a row obviously against three lesser sides, but I reckon it's a good test because we're coming up against four sides who, other than Gold Coast, are playing for their season. St Kilda, you know, the last two times have smashed us. Uh, Richmond seem to have had the wood over us as well. The Bulldogs we beat in Tassie last year. But, yeah, it's, I reckon it's a, it's a perfect end to the season for us because it's four winnable games and it'll give us good confidence heading into next season. Yeah, but just disappointing. I think now Hawthorne goes 0-4 from here. I think they've made some progress. But they haven't beat, they, by their own admission, talk to them on and off the record, they know they've uh, beaten three teams in the last three, which they probably should have. Yeah, they should. I reckon we, we should aim to win two out of the next four games, which would be a good result. To end the season with nine wins, I think you, Ash, had us winning, I think, five games for the year. But um, I had us, you know, winning seven or eight games. So I reckon nine wins with the way we played and the development, I guess, in a few of the lesser likes, you know, we expected Day and DJB to be those players, but we found a few. And, yeah, it's definitely been a really positive season. AFLW preseason is ramping up certainly the uh, Hawks went away for a camp on the weekend some great content on the uh, Hawthorne media channels about that camp a, a practice game has been locked in their unofficial preseason game has been locked in against Richmond cleverly the morning of the, um, the round 22 game the MCG so if you get to get there a bit early uh, the game that game starts at one o'clock but the preseason game against Richmond at Punt Road uh, we'll start at 11. So if uh, everyone should try and endeavour on their way into the MCG to pop in for at least a quarter at Punt Road to see the AFLW team taking shape and they uh, open their season against the Bombers. Tickets I don't think on sale yet, but the whole idea, of course, is that they'll put the tickets on sale for the Essendon game. They're all bought quickly and then they'll transfer the game to Marvel Stadium. A bit of housekeeping. We're on the lookout for a AFLW correspondent. And uh, if you know anyone who's uh, be interested, um, please reach out to us through uh, Twitter or through the Substack and let us know if you know of someone who'd be interested in being our season-long AFLW correspondent coming on the spaces. And 
talking about the team and also writing some articles as well. So we'll be putting a, a, a call out through our channels shortly, but we're getting a head start tonight. Keep that in mind. Herald Sun contracts article, uh, which you did a rundown this week. Take us through that one. Yeah, I just think uh, Mark McGowan does a bloody good job. Um, and, I, I mean, my interesting take to come out of it was, um, uh, and it's been highlighted, I think, today through Twitter, I think hidden in there was the fact that Harry Morrison has actually triggered an extension, I think, with games played to, to give him an extra season. So he is actually already contracted for next year. Um, there's obviously been uh, a big push in terms of him and getting an extension based on his form for this season. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, it just fueled the conversation that um, we're going to be having over the next four weeks. And I think we've got set as an agenda item tonight, Ash, to talk about who should be getting a go, who's playing for their careers, who will be recontracted. And, um, yeah, it, it's a pretty interesting time in, in terms of the overall development of the list. I think that um, the article also said that uh, Tyler Brockman is expected to sign a new deal with uh, Brad and I, who's been the most vocal on this, having him uh, shipped back to West Coast. Um, but it sounds like he wants to stay, which is good because if we see the Tyler, if we see the good Tyler Brockman from last season, you know, he's, he, he slots straight into that side as a crafty small forward, particularly, and, you know, someone to eventually perhaps replace uh, Luke Bruce in a couple of years. But I was a bit surprised to read that, pleasantly surprised, I must say, to read that. Brad, what did you think when you saw that? Absolutely. Like, you, as you said, we, you know, I honestly thought he was going back to WA. Obviously, he hasn't signed yet, but... I've been quite vocal on this. I reckon that's one spot on the ground. We are desperate for a class player. Butler's going to become a really good player, but I don't think Butler has the, the X factor like uh, Tyler Brockman showed early on last year uh, when he played. Luke Bruce has had a fantastic season, especially the second half of the year. He'll go on again next year. But you need two quality small forwards. And if you have one with uh, yeah, an X factor, which Brockman has... It make, will make you a really, really, you know, a dangerous side. So you put Brockman, Butler, uh, Lewis, uh, Connor McDonald plays that high half forward uh, role well. Dylan Moore obviously rotates forward in uh, mid. We still lack that second key forward. As I said, some I disagree. I don't think Cozzy's uh, going to be that player. I just don't think he's uh, good enough to be a quality uh, number two in the AFL. But a small forward in a gun or a key second forward are two positions we are desperate for. So if Brockman signs, I reckon that would be huge. I know he's missed this season with injury, but I reckon he can become a really, really good player from what we saw last year. Ash, just to go through that list, um, that we, we've got 13 players that are effectively out of contract. So the unrestricted free agents are Jack Gunston, who you'd imagine gets another year. Kyle Hardigan, interesting to see whether they uh, give him another year just to have on the list as backup. Um, Dan Howe, we talked about before. Ben McAvoy, who uh, given the last few weeks, you'd imagine will sign an extension. 
Uh, Liam Shields, not sure he'll get another run. But then all of the others waiting for a contract. So we just talked about Brockman, Jackson Callow and Connor Downey, and they'd probably both be a little bit nervous. Uh, Jekka, Seamus Mitchell, Harry Morrison, who we talked about with the trigger, Tom Phillips, uh, Jack Saunders. So, you know, some of those names, Callow, Downey, Phillips, Saunders, you just wonder whether they'll be kind of like Dylan Moore uh, a couple of years ago, that, that they could be waiting till uh, till final, final, final list lodgings after drafts and supplemental supplemental periods to see whether or not they are actually retained or, or put on the list in any sort of fashion. Yeah, I think Danny will be safe. Um, and the article seems to suggest that Seamus Mitchell will be safe as well. I mean, I was the one I was really excited to see this year because I, I said several times that I thought he would, he sort of gay footballer he reportedly is, is what Hawthorne needs. But he underachieved a bit at Box Hill when he was fit and for the rest of the season wasn't fit. That article seemed to indicate he would be playing another season. So we'll see a lot to work through. It sort of goes into what we want to talk a bit about next in terms of what we want to see over the last four weeks of the season, wins or draft picks. Uh, I said uh, that I think it would be disappointing to go 0-4 from here. And you can only beat what's put in front of you. And Hawthorne done it for three weeks, but it would be great to knock over a win or two before the end of the season. I think St Kilda and I think the next two games are probably the most winnable. St Kilda and Gold Coast in in Tassie, the two, I think they've got the biggest chance of winning between now and the end of the season. I, don't, I think the Bulldogs, if they've got a lot to play for, should be too strong for Hawthorne in round 23. Richmond, who really knows terms which Richmond turn up. They're the biggest psychos in the AFL now. Um, but they can certainly win uh, certainly Saturday and they can certainly beat the Gold Coast. They should expect to beat a team like Gold Coast and Tassie. So one thing with that, I mean, you've said a couple of times, Ash, um, that they know who they've beaten, you know, speaking to some of them around the traps earlier in the week and and that the three teams we've beaten are obviously not great teams, but there aren't too many of us three weeks ago that would have, whilst it would have been nice and, and you'd hope that we beat each of those teams in, individually that would actually have thought we'd go 3-0 and through it and would probably have taken 2-1 and one to say not being 1-2 and two through it. So uh, having won them all now, it, it's, it's kind of flipped on its head in, in terms of we've all got so much enjoyment out of watching these guys win games of footy that, yeah, if we can pull off two or three wins out of these last four games, that'll be monstrous going into next year. Yeah, I think uh, nothing would give me, I mean, given that most of my friends are St Kilda support, nothing would give me more pleasure than being St Kilda on Saturday just to shut them up and put them out of misery for the season. And particularly, they've bullied Hawthorne the last couple of times they've played Hawthorne. So it'll be a big test, actually, to see. This team has been fit, bigger and stronger than Hawthorne. But two players who routinely play well against Hawthorne are Ryder and Gresham, who both might be playing this week. So uh, I think that uh, brings things back to Torthorne's favour. Uh, the, the player that I think we'll see before the end of the season, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Liam Shields. He doesn't play this week because concussion protocols. But uh, Brad or Dad, add to this one, do you bring him back for round 23 as a farewell? Round 22 against Richmond at the MCG, the last game in Melbourne for the year, albeit an away game. To bring him back for a fair, almost a farewell game against the Tigers. Yeah, I think we'll see him as the sub. 
I think they'll give him a... I can't make him a sub. They you. will. You oh, are. Not for a farewell game. You can't Absolutely. Sammy Mitchell. Oh, it's an interesting one. I just think uh, Mitchell's the type of coach that won't just gift games. I know traditionally Clarko, you know, did at the end of his career. But I don't know. I just, I think it's going to be interesting to see if he... I reckon you know, they've gifted Butler a game this week to play against his brother. Oh, yeah. yeah but I, Butler's different because he's very young. I think he's the type of player that, you know, we feel with that spot of the ground, he need, you know, we need to get games into him. But then I guess the argument on the other hand is why isn't that DGB playing? So it's an interesting one. But I think he will get a game, but I, I reckon they'll make him the sub. Oh, what do you think, Des? Oh, look, I feel, feel like I made my, said my goodbye to Liam Shields at his 250th. So. I, I, just, I don't think we should be gifting games to players at this point in our development. And um, I know that sounds pretty harsh, but I think we've given him an opportunity to, to be chaired off in a game this year. So, goodbye. What, a, what about... Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> what about... And I love um, Liam Shields forever. Thanks for the thanks. <laughs> what about... Um, what about uh, Long or Sarong in a game for it the year? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to see it. I think um, I think either or would be would be great. Um, it'd just be it's so important for them going into next year. You know, I think Jack Saunders has had an okay year, and I'm, I, th- I think he probably deserved a game before Sam Butler this week if you're going on form. So. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how um, or whether Sam gives uh, games to the younger players, um, and I think some of them have deserved that sh- that shot at it this year. And it, uh, I would, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, yeah, Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, I think that uh, I think that the buys just come at such a bad time from a Box Hill point of view because I think. More to the point of, you know, giving these guys a game, it would be really nice to give like a long as an example or a Jekar two or three games in a row just to get a taste of it where, you know, we've said it would be disappointing to go zero and four, but if we're one and four and some of these guys get an opportunity, then it would obviously be a good thing. So. Um, yeah, I'm certain Sammy will be thinking about next season and the season after in terms of some of these kids and whether they can play and that every game is an opportunity to um, to get an extra game into them and get them some exposure of, you know, what it's like and, and have them hungry for the off-season. So I think there's every chance we'll see these guys playing games over the next four weeks. We have a special guest. She's jumped on board. A catch is with us. Our star, our H, our Hawks Insiders insider with the AFLW team. Good evening and welcome. Hi, Ashley. Hi, crew. How are we? <laughs> we are great. How was the training camp? Um. Oh man, the training camp was incredible. It was amazing. I went up in Wonthagi. I need to learn how to say that place. Um, yeah, we stayed out at Silverwater uh, Resort and um, there's a partnership between um, our club, the Hawks, and obviously the Bass Coast, I think that's what they call City Council. Uh, so, yeah, just trying to drive numbers, uh, especially female participation um, in the region is quite low. So we did a clinic um, on Saturday morning 
um, which was amazing. The whole town came out for that. Um, and then, yeah, we did an amazing race. Um, and then we came back to Bunjil, um and had a, a, a mini practice game on Sunday and then had lunch together and uh, went back home. So, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing, amazing weekend. How was the uh, practice game? How, 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 sharp, how sharp are you guys looking a few weeks out from the start of the season? Um, we're re- I think we're doing we're building really well. Um, obviously we're, we're coming from a lot of different um, areas. You know, new newly drafted players. Um, a few of us have played a handful of games, um, and then obviously having girls that are coming from the VFLW. So um, we're gelling really well um, together. Um, but um, I think what's really important is that we got some really amazing coaches that are really helping us develop our brand and our, and our football, um, which is super exciting. And I think this preseason has been really diff- different because in the past I've experienced just like it's all conditioning. Uh, but this preseason, we've just been playing games after games after games. It's match sim after match sim. And the girls absolutely love that. So we're looking forward to our actual proper intra club this weekend um, down at Bunjil and then we head to Perth um, next week to play West Coast in our first official practice match which is going to be super amazing. Hey, catch, have you noticed a difference between the girls who have been exposed at this level and played AFLW before versus the others in terms of excitement and, and what we've got to look forward to in 30 days time? Um, yeah, there's obviously um, a lot of, like, it's, it's different for everyone. But I think a lot of us that have come across from other clubs, um, we've, we've all just kind of become like the, the newly um, girls that, are, that this is their first season. And we are all just so excited um, about playing footy and enjoying footy with each other. Um, but these young girls come with a lot, of, um, a lot of their own experiences as well. You know, some girls have been playing VFL for a very long time. So... Um, they come with that experience, and they're super excited, and they, um, and you can just you can just tell, um, which is super amazing. But people like myself, like I, I'm just loving footy, and I can't believe it's week six of preseason already. Like it's just flown by. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of excitement, um, and a lot of girls are just super grateful and excited to, um, get to round one and play. Give us an early look at uh, tell us some early early mail on, on Jazz Fleming. The uh, we spoke to her father Damien last week on on the spaces. How how Hawthorne's sort of first pick in the the recent draft. How's she looking? Whew, uh, mind blowing, Darren. I you guys are gonna have to wait and just see this young girl. <laughs> she is like whew, when she kicks the ball to me, I'm just like what? She's she's like not even eighteen yet. Um, she just she's such a professional. Um, so good at what she does. Um, and I think she's going to really blow the league um, by storm. And I'm super excited for Jazz and Pendles and all the girls that we have um, as part of the programs. We have, we've given them um, n- names already, um, which is super exciting. So, um, yeah, she is, um, she's a class of her own. She's just, wow. Like, I cannot wait to see what she produces in the AFLW competition. It's exciting. So be excited, guys. I'm so excited to hear that. Um, and I'm wondering who else has kind of stood out on the track for you to catch. Oh, oh, so, girls are, oh so many girls are really, really, um, really stepping it up. But um, young girls like Dominique Carbone, who's been a part of the VFLW program for a very long time, down in Hawks, is just tearing it up on the track. Um, we've got Tali Fellows. 
um, who's also just just her speed and her her passion. And then you got Sophie Locke, who's coming across from um, the um, the the um, Port Port Melbourne um, VFLW, but a long time um, Hawthorne fan. You can just tell just how like this kids these kids are just gonna blow this the competition by storm and I'm so glad that we've given them an opportunity to shine and actually have their that their talents uh be seen. Um but then you have girls like um Tegan Cunningham who's just come off of retirement um and she's just um leading by example and we're all just kind of following her. So uh yeah, there's so many people that are currently standing out for me. Um uh, but yeah I'm super super excited. Sorry, go on, go on, Andrew. Uh, a catch, given that it's a new team, totally formed with so many new players as well, again, that haven't had the exposure at the level, can you give us a breakdown? Like, what sort of percentage of your week is spent doing skills-based stuff versus strategy, game plan, um, stuff in uh, lecture theatres, that type of stuff preparing for round one? Um, oh, it's a, th- that's very interesting and a good question. Um, I think I think Beck's gone. Um, she's you know she's just a professional at what she does, and this woman just does her her stuff. And um, it's not like you have to teach a lot of these young women how to play football. They already know how to play football. Uh, so when it comes to skills, um, a lot of these girls are so skillful. Um, you know, the only difference is that we are part time athletes. You know, they're they're. A lot of these girls are still at school. Uh, they still have jobs. Um, so, you know, a big chunk of their lives is doing their other stuff. And so when we come to the club, it's limited with the coaches and what we can do. And I think that's what makes it really, really hard. So, um, you know, normally we'll come um, start doing our check-ins with physios and all of that. Um, and then there's there's allocated time where you go out and do skills with the coaches. So the coaches will be out there. And that is pretty much three days a week where you're doing skills and, you know, just try and do extras as much as possible because um, you have a 10 week block where you have to try and fit in everything, including structures and, you know, the rules change every, every year. So you have to try and make people understand what the rules are and all of that. So there's a lot to consider when it comes to, um, you know, where do you fit in skills, but also there's days like today is optional. So you can go and do skills and, and, and gym and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, a lot of these girls are quite skillful. Um, but yeah, we just try to fit it in the four, five hours that the, we're at the club um, in, in that in that time frame with everything else that we have to fit in, including gym, boxing, grappling, um, you know, touch, all this stuff. There's so much that goes on in one night that it's just like, whoa, but we get it done. And that's what that that's what's so unique about the AFLW competition. Who are, just a couple more before we let you go, who is going to be the midfield ball magnet? this team and who's going to start at full forward in round one? They're, 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 they're the, 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 the super sexy positions, if you like. Who, who are going to be those lead candidates at this stage? Um, or, yeah, I, it's, I don't really know, honestly, but there's obviously people like Tilly Lucas-Rod um, who's just, who just loves getting her hands on the footy and she uses the footy really well as well. Um, and then... Um, who else? Obviously, Tegan's going to come in the midfield a little bit. Um, um, and who else do we have in the midfield? And then full forward. Um, Tegan's obviously going to be up there, um, you know, going between the rock and the forward as well. So we'll have Tegan. We'll have Dominique Carbone. She gets a fair, fair bit of footy. 
She's really good with her hand um, as well. Um, who else? Um, Lou Stevenson, obviously in the back, and Jess Duffin um, holding the back line with Ainsley Kem, um, who's a really, really good um, defender. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a really interesting um, mix of of players. Um, but yeah, the chemistry that we're really building uh, together is really it's magnificent, and I'm just just cannot wait for round one. All right. Well, we can't wait either. Hopefully we'll get to talk to you a couple more times before the start of the season. But uh, thank you for coming on to the spaces tonight. Good luck as training continues. Good luck for the intra-club on uh, on uh, the weekend. Is it uh, full bore or are you, or you sort of going to go, be advised to, to go easy on each other? Um, no. So, it's uh, yeah, it's full, 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 full play. Um, we, we're not far away from from the, the, the game. So yeah, just play football. Um so we'll get there and we're pretty much we're pretty much lining up as we as if we're going to a normal game, which is super exciting. And yeah, we there is um there's a hashtag ad movie to Marvel. We're trying to get the the game to Marvel um round one. Um because, you know, it's Essendon's um home game, but for us, um the AFL's kind of underselling us and what we can produce as a club a little bit and it's really frustrating because it's like you can't grow, grow a game you can't grow our product if you keep putting us in stadiums where we have capacity of 6000 fans that can only get there so there is there's a hashtag move it to marvel so hawks fans join in and um yeah let's let's get this game to marvel and get our hawks fans down there supporting the women well the afl has a tradition of underselling hawthorne for about 100 years so uh <laughs> Nothing's really changed there. That uh, the game, of course, should be played at Marvel. We're encouraging all people to buy tickets, so the game will be moved to Marvel. It's, it's going to be fantastic. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Yeah. Anytime you. you want to jump on, we're always happy to talk. No problem. Thank you, crew. Appreciate it. Okay. Have a good day. Good luck for the weekend. Thank you. Uh, how great is it to get uh, from inside the AFLW camp? I think she's our regular correspondent now, uh, boys. Oh, 100%. Yes. Anytime. It's <laughs> absolute standing invite to come anytime. Um, that's just really going to see us out. So we'll just go. We had a couple of things. Well, I think we'll just stick to uh, our preview for the game on Saturday. It is at Marvel Stadium. It is at 4.35. And uh, the point was made, I think, by Gary Lyon or Nick Rewalt on Fox Footy the other night that the 4.35 games on Saturday games recently have been absolute beauty. So let's hope this one's in the same boat. The Hawks. Uh, from the back line, although this is pretty much a waste of time. Morris, Blank and Hardwick, sounds like an accounting firm. Halfback, Scrimshaw, Sicily, Morrison, uh, Satterline, McGuinness, Mitchell, Will Day, half-forwards, Luke Bruce, Dylan Moore, the Tarrick set half-forward, and Jake Kaczynski, the small flanker next to him. Gunston, Mitch Lewis, Connor McDonald's your forward line. McAvoy, Newcomb, O'Meara, Interchange, CJ, Nash, Butler, Josh Ward, the emergencies are Phillips, Jekka, Sarong, and Long. Looks to me as though Phillips will be almost certainly be the medical sub out of those. Um, Brad, you predicted one change once you knew that CJ was going to play. They gave us three. What are your thoughts with the team? Uh, interesting selections. As I said earlier, Butler and Cozzy were quite in the VFL, so I was surprised they uh, were picked. I thought uh, Ned Long, as Daz also mentioned, played his best game. Max Lynch was the other one. I think he should be playing seniors. He's played three back in the VFL now. There's a bye. 
which means he's obviously not going to come and play seniors uh, next week or probably the week after. Ryder's obviously out, who normally, you know, towers, you know, normally beats us quite easily. So Big Boy's got a massive game against uh, Marshall. They've brought in Tom Campbell as well. So they're playing the two rucks. So it's going to be interesting to see if it's Cozzy or Nash who plays that backup rock roll because Big Boy's not going to be able to play a full game in the ruck. Finn's the other one I mentioned earlier. Who he tags, is it going to be Hill or Sinclair? He won't tag Jack Steele because he doesn't play in the midfield. So as I said, I think Nash is big enough and strong enough and has the engine to go with Jack Steele. Still had about 45 touches against West Coast last week and was unbelievably good. So he'll need some attention. Max King's the other one who's been quite poor the second half of this year. So I think James Blank will probably get first crack on him. Sicily will obviously play the real, you know, that third uh, man up that he's been playing. Uh, or he'll probably, actually, Tim Membry's the one. I think Membry kicked four against us last time we played them. Memory plays probably going to Hawthorne too. Always. And uh, Billings and Gresham out is actually really big. Gresham kicked four and probably had his best game ever against us the last time we played them. Uh, Hannabury's back for them. He hasn't played in a while. Again, as I said, I think this is a winnable game. The Saints have beat us by 69 points the last two times we've played them. Marvel is obviously not one of our preferred you know, grounds, but St Kilda have been really poor the last you know, four or five weeks. So they weren't great against West Coast last week. As I said, very winnable game. Will we win? I think probably not just because St Kilda are playing for their season. This is basically their grand final. But I think, we can sh- I think we've shown enough over the last three weeks. If we won this game, it wouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, I, I'm the same, but I think St Kilda wins this one narrowly just because it's absolute desperation stakes for them, whereas for Hawthorne, it's just, you know, it's systems and structure and see how we look at the end of the season. It's fantastic to win it. Not quite sure they're going to get there. Andrew, I'm not sure that uh, the Silk Miller uh, Cup's happening. There hasn't been any publicity about it. Yeah, haven't heard anything about it and it probably makes sense to keep it low-key given uh, given recent events in the courtroom over the last few weeks. So I would imagine based on that, Ash, it's probably been a strategic uh, let's let's not bring this up for now and let it go through to the keeper. Yeah, I reckon that might be right. Ian Silk's first... Uh, year on the board at Hawthorne is the year that they're not um, they're not playing the game. But I think you're right. I think they've decided in light of recent events they're just going to uh, keep it on the keep it on the lowdown. I suspect it's a bit sad. It's been a yeah. Uh, it's been you know it's it has to think about it's one of the first games for a cause. I mean, there's so many footy now that they play for, but this is actually one of the original ones. This is you know this goes back tw- more than twenty years now. So a little bit of a shame. Not just that. It's really cool when you're looking for a photo from a St Kilda Hawthorne clash and whatever it is that you Google or look up, you've got the blue and white armbands that straight away, you you know, you, you actually think about and attribute to the cause as well. So I agree. It's a, it's a big shame if, if it doesn't come back next year. And then also the Jack Scrimshaw connection to the family and, um, him getting in the rooms and that amazing photo of him in the rooms as a as a as a teenager. So it's a it's a it's an important game for the, for the Scrimshaw family too. 
It is. So uh, we we look forward to the game. It's uh, the second last chance for most of us to watch Hawthorne in the flesh for the season. So we look forward to the game. Daz, do you give the Hawks a chance? I do. I also just have been to so many disappointing games at Marvel against St Kilda, not just in recent years, but over the journey, even when we were good. So... Um, it's a game that scares me and St Kilda players always go to another level for some reason against Hawthorne. Um, and yeah, Tim Membry is someone that usually hurts us except that time that he missed from about two metres out directly in front with no one in front of him. There's a lot of Hawthorne people involved in St Kilda now. Last look at it, you've got uh, Brad Hill playing, you've got um, David Rath as the head of football, Jared Ruffhead doing whatever it is he does there. Um, I'm sure I'm missing one or Ratton. two others. Ratton. Ratton. Yeah, Ratton, who was uh, at Hawthorne for six years assistant coach. It's a very heavy uh, Hawthorne influence at St Kilda. So um, they've enjoyed having the, uh, having the rub of the green against the Hawthorne. Simon Lethleen is a former Hawthorne Reserves player. He was a big Hawthorne fan before going to work for the Saints as well. So there's a lot there. Being, uh, it'd be nice for the Hawks to beat them. Uh, we've got Robert Harvey, but it doesn't yeah. matter. And a future Hawthorne star, Carl Amon's mum, who works over there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right as well. So, as I said, he's coming to Hawthorne because you don't want to go to the same school where your parents are a teacher. So, mark it in that he'll be coming to Hawthorne next year. Uh, Andrew, what do you think? Uh, what do you think is going to happen on Saturday? Uh, I think we're a chance, but I reckon we'll go down uh, by three or four goals. But... Uh... I'd like to thank you in advance, Ash. I think while Brad was um, giving us his preview of the game, I've registered the business name Morris Blank and Hardwick. So <laughs> <laughs> it, it could, could, if you see that floating around, I'm not sure you mentioned accountants, accounting, lawyer. I'm not sure yet, but um, yeah, nice one. <laughs> it really is a partnership of, of some sort. Yeah, I think I'll pick secure in the record. I pick secure by ten points. I just think it'll be close. I mean, they've been bullied, as I said, they've been bullied by secure the last two times they've played them. So I think most Hawthorne people, and I think the expectation from the club, from the team itself is that they'll give a much better account of themselves on Saturday. It'd be fantastic to be the one to knock them out of the finals. Um, actually, I actually you, think it'll depend on which St Kilda team turns up, because we saw from earlier in the season, like if they come to play. They could they could tear us apart, but if the St Kilda that we've seen that can be just so up and down and and really look like an average side come, then we're a massive show. I, I think it's less about which Hawthorne turns up as opposed to which St Kilda turns up. Well, that's been the case most of the year with Hawthorne. Most of, all but three or four games this year, the good Hawthorne's turned up. Now the good Hawthorne is not often be good enough to win. Um, but I think the good Hawthorne. I, I would expect the good Hawthorne. But they've had three. They've had three good weeks, really. So maybe Hawthorne due for a downer as well. But it's a sort of game where you know someone like you know I'm looking through St Kilda's team, like Marcus Windhager or Ben Long, who I think is a bit overrated, or Jared Lena will kick three goals and uh, play the game of their lives. Brad, as you well know, there are too many players out there who play that. They could be Callum Brown of St Kilda every single time, but. Max King, for me, is the worry. I think he's just due for a monster game. He's been really quiet. I think he hit three against Carlton, but he was quite poor for most of that game. He's been has had a really poor second half of the year. He's a worry for me. I think, as I said before, Blank will get first crack. 
I don't think Sicily's big enough to take him. So if St Kilda get on top in the midfield, I think he'll. I think he can kick five or six. But I think we can win this game. But as you guys have mentioned, St Kilda's grand final. I think they'll win by three or four goals. I think we'll be in the game until the last. You know, until probably the back end of the third quarter. Um, but as long as you know we play the way we've been playing, it'll be good to have CJ back on the fast. You know, uh, Marvel track. He needs a big game. He needs to butcher the ball less. He has. He yeah. He's been unfortunately for CJ. You know, he's become a bit of a turnover uh, player uh, this season. But at least he's still taking uh, the game on. Uh, that'll turn. You obviously know that the coaches are going to back him in. He's an important player. But yeah, Hill Sinclair. They just got these type of players who, if they get on top, they'll chop us up, as uh, Weesey said. So. As we said, Finn will tag one of them. You reckon he'll, Ash? I still think he'll go to Sinclair. I reckon Sinclair's an All-Australian uh, this season. And I reckon Connor Nash will give the role on Jack Steele. Those are the two players. You stop Sinclair and uh, Jack Steele, and we should really win uh, the game. Well, let's hope that is the case. As I said, nothing would give me more pleasure than to be able to turn to back. 12 of my mates after the game, so we ended your season. So let's hope so. Uh, that has been the spaces for this week. Apologies once again that we didn't get the review podcast out, but I think we'll be in better shape to get one out uh, post this game. Thanks to everyone for your support of Hawks Insiders. It is $5 a month, $50 a year. Apologies from Josh Gablich from AFL Media. He was going to come on tonight, but he has promised he'll be with us next week to sort of give a bit of a media a reporter's overview. He's done some very good reporting on Hawthorne this year, so it'll be good to get his insights into how the team's going. He should be joining us at some stage on next week's Spaces. So, everyone, hope to see you at Marvel Stadium on Saturday. I'll be aisle 11, row reasonably close to the front. If you happen to be in there, come and say hello and have a chat about the Hawks. Otherwise, we will talk to you again on the Spaces next Thursday night. Daz, you can go back to Neighbours. Everybody else, have a great night and a good weekend. Thanks for joining us. Good night.